Hey guys, welcome to the Hobby Heroes episode number 35. I am joined today by my friend and co-host Chuck. Chuck, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? I am excellent. And do you know why I'm excellent? Because you're going to be playing in a tournament in 48 hours. Yeah, baby. We're recording this on Thursday night. Really dragging butt on getting recordings done. Uh, and I leave tomorrow immediately after work to head up to Holy Wars this weekend, which we are super excited about, and that's what we're going to discuss today. Um, we're not going to go through all of the stuff. We are going to talk about a number of things, but you know, we just wanted to kind of give you guys an idea who haven't been to Holy Wars uh, what it is exactly we're heading up to. Now, we went to Holy Wars number two. Was it two? Oh, yeah. Or was it one? I don't know. I think it was two. <laughs> it was at the launch of AOS, like... Yes. First edition AOS. I think he did one year as uh, regular eighth edition, and then the yeah. second year I think was AOS launch, and that's the one we went to. So this is AOS, or this is Holy Wars five. So it's been three years. Um, and if you guys haven't seen Holy Wars or you don't follow Holy Wars on Twitter, you should. The dude Steve, the guy that runs it, makes the most impressive tables ever. Um, it's not to say I haven't seen amazing tables before. And there are certainly other people that do tables just as good or better, maybe. But his stuff is really, really nice. And part of the appeal of going to Holy Wars is to play on those amazing tables. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yes. 100%. So we're going to buzz through some of the rules here real quick. Um, it is a 2,000-point tournament using General's Handbook. All realms of battle rules will be used. Malign sorcery, endless spells will be used. Artifacts of realms will be used. Faction-specific <laughs> endless spells will be used. Uh, all measuring is done base-to-base. -base. Round bases are required. Weapon options must be indicated on the list. Standard bears must be indicated on the list. No proxy models allowed. Uh, summon models not painted and themed to the army can be used during the game. But if you plan to raise 200 zombies or skeletons, you better have the 200 there. Uh, summon terrain such as wildwood, everything else needs to have the same footprint size as the model in the terrain that it should be. Model scenery or malign sorcery and endless spells do not need to have a uh, basin to match the army. You're not allowed to borrow uh, models from other players. Um, it is using the six inches most models to claim the objectives. And that is roughly the, the base statements here. So we are basically using every rule they have for Age of Sigmar. Which is a lot. Yep. Some other things to, to keep in mind are there are uh, additional uh, secondary secret mission objectives that in each round you can choose for or from. Uh, there is no list deadline. You did not have to uh, like pre-approve your list prior to submitting it. Uh, and any players caught deliberately cheating are obviously dismissed. Um, one thing that I do like about uh, Steve's tournament that he that he goes for is he is more of a hobbyist versus a rules lawyer that's not to say if you bring the wrong list you're not going to be dq'd because you're trying to sneak something past the judge but you know he gives kudos and credit out there to people who do crazy conversions and uh ridiculous basing schemes and people who are there for the spirit of the game yeah in that no i mean it is holy wars is kind of billed as a narrative tournament you know yes um you don't go there for win to to win every single award. There's not enormous prizes. Everything, all the product is raffled off at the end, so that doesn't matter. Um, you go there for the experience. He intentionally keeps the tournament small. It's only like thirty players. Um, 
if you are caught deliberately cheating, not only you're disqualified, but you'll actually be banned from future Holy Wars events. And I fully have faith that he would actually tell you no next year if you did that. Uh, so it, it's pretty neat. We're going there for the fun of it. I have no intention of winning. Um, but it, it, it should be a really good time. So, you know, you mentioned the secondary objective. So here's the deal. Yes. All of the tables have... There are the 16 tables... And every table has its own specific primary scenario objective. It is based on the terrain on the table. Yes. The secondary objective is on every table there's going to be three objective markers, um, which he calls grail tokens, and then those are the secondary objectives. The tertiary objective is the one that you choose. So there's you get five different choices. You have to you can't pick the same one twice. You pick a different one each game to try and achieve. That's your tertiary. And then there's a fourth objective, which is worth a point, which is just have the most deployed units still alive at the end of the game. I do want the listeners to be aware that when we say Grail token, we in no way are referring to Bretonians from 6th, 7th, or 8th edition Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Oh, no. But, That's what it was based off of. But, but I do want to say that if they make a order book that encompasses uh, Bretonians, humanoids, and like Ironweld Arsenals, I will fully be on board to buy that book, Ben Johnson. So thank you, and uh, just want to put a shout-out there to an order book. So thank you. Bretonians got made. They're the undead now. They're the Flesh Eater oh, Courts. Oh, no, they're not. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah that's where it is. No. That's them. They died under, and became vampires. They alluded to it in the raw uh, descriptions. Heavily. I, but it was not Bretonians are flesh eater courts now. Like it didn't like come out and say that. Okay, it just said you know oh in his whatever monastery or his castle, his keep, blah blah blah. I'm like okay, I get that, but we need the the humans back. You know, an agrarian book would be great. Oh stop. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Joe so, and I had this discussion like earlier in the week that yeah, we uh, the agrarian book had great artwork and it was on Twitter, kind of circulating about, but. Who knows if they'll ever come out with it. Right. So every game, there are, you get, if you take the primary objectives worth two points, the secondary objectives worth two points, your secret mission is worth one point, most deployed units is worth one point. Over the course of five games, that's 30 points available for battle. Then there are 22 points for narrative event participation. So we said this is a 2,000 point list but you also get to make up to a 1000 point sideboard and each game you can change your stuff there are eight points available for using at least 400 to a thousand points of your sideboard in two games there's eight points available for narrative cohesiveness how does your army reflect the narrative and composition of your army with its paint scheme basing display board etc it's a pretty objective statement based on who's doing paint judging i think uh five points if you donate an item worth twenty dollars to the charity raffle which is how all the product is given away at the end one point for (laughs) doing your own job and voting for your favorite army so there's 22 points available there then there are 22 points available for appearance uh appearance is very very heavy in this tournament there's a huge checklist and generally most people score somewhere in the middle uh, or kind of the 
it's divided into thirds. There's like the basic scoring list, the middle scoring list, and then the high scoring list. To even get to the high scoring list, you have to get every point on the first two. I usually stop somewhere about three-fourths of the way down that second list. I never make it to the third one, and I don't have an issue with that. I don't know if you remember how you scored last time we went, do you? I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago. Um, so let's get going into... To give you guys an idea of what we're looking at here, let's we're gonna pull up the first scenario. You yes. want to uh, you want to cover the first scenario for us? Yes, sir. I am flipping to it. So ahead of time, uh, Herner Steve Herner on Twitter uh, has go ahead went ahead and sent out a thirty six page player pack, and in that it's all of the breakdowns of the scenarios, the tables, objectives, and that's kind of what we're referring to here. Um, and table one. Is, the scenario is called the Oak of Ages Past. The deployment uh, that we have are on the long side of the table, and the three objective markers are deployed about 12 inches from each corner, directly in the middle, and then the far right, so sort of in a diagonal angle. Deployment and the Twist and Ruse decks. So you shuffle your Twist and Ruse decks for cards. Sorry, you shuffle the Twist and Ruse decks of cards. Draw the top card from the Twist deck and place it face up so both players can see it. Players roll off for territory, and the player with the highest roll chooses their territory as indicated above, which would be one of the halves. Models must be set up in their own territory more than 12 inches from enemy territory. The player with the lower total of wounds is allowed to take the top card of the Ruse deck. So before we go on, let's discuss this. The Twist and Ruse deck is an idea he's pulling out of 40k 8th edition. Yes. Um, which actually is, based on the open war system, I actually like the Twist and Ruse decks. But assuming that he's constructed these himself, we have no idea what to expect out of here. So every game there's going to be a twist on the scenario, and then the person with the lowest number of wounds also gets to take a Ruse. So this should be a really interesting unknown kind of you know, thorn to see how those work out. So the second part of the scenario is claiming the objectives. Remember that models have to be within six inches of one of the objectives in order to claim it. The table and terrain objective for Oak of the Angels is harvesting the acorns from the great oak. The great oak is the tree in the middle. During the hero phase, any units within eight inches of the great oak may harvest acorns. Roll a d6 to determine how many acorns the unit has harvested. If a unit harvests acorns, it cannot move in the subsequent move phase. And then it says to see rules for the Great Oak on the table map. We'll get to the table map at the end of the scenario. Yep. The player that has harvested the most acorns by the end of the fifth battle round has won this objective. So you literally don't have to fight. You could just walk up to this big tree and put everything on it, harvesting acorns, and manage to win the primary objective without ever touching your opponent. The chances that happen are slim, but the point is you could. Part 2. Grail Token Objectives. Capture the Grail Tokens starting from the Battle Round 2. A player scores one victory point for each Grail Token they control at the end of each of their own turns. The player that has tallied the most victory points by the end of Round 5 has won this objective. Pretty basic, just like most missions out of the, uh, you know, GHB. The thing that's interesting about this is that it's only one point per objective. It's not two points for controlling the middle or three for the one on the opposite side of the table. I like that's that better, though. Because if, you, you know, depending on 
some of the missions out of GHB or other things are like roll to see which one is worth the most points. And if you guys roll and it just keeps being on one player's side, then the other player kind of gets hosed. They do. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that this would encourage is normal armies uh, to be taken as opposed to Alpha Strike that would control something in the enemy's territory from turn one. Uh, that's something else that's sort of nice. Um, so part three, which would be our secret mission objective, there are several to choose from. One, two, three, four, five. The first is uh, you may select this. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me start over. <laughs> secret missions. Players may only use the secret mission listed below once for the tournament. So you have to choose one each round. There are five to choose from because it's a five-round tournament. The first one is called Bloodthirsty. Slay an entire enemy unit in a single combat phase. The second, Psychiatric, sorry, Psychotic Rage. Slay your opponent's highest pointed unit with your general. The third, Intimidation. Cause an enemy unit to lose its last model through Battleshock. Four, Witch Hunter. Slay your enemy's highest pointed unit with the monster or hero keyword. Battleshock does not count towards this. Obviously, it would be hard to kill a monster or hero through Battleshock. Because it would be slain. It would never take the Battleshock test. Uh, and five, off with their heads. Kill more heroes than your opponent. Pretty easy, pretty straightforward. Yep, very much so. So, yeah, it's kind of neat. You get to pick one of these each round. Um, it changes up your fourth objective all the time. Uh, the Grail objectives remains the same for every scenario. The secret missions, of course, change, but that's the same for every scenario. The final objective, like we said earlier, was having the most deployed units alive at the end of the game i believe by deployed he means started on the table or you know was in the initial list not summoned or anything the big thing is the primary objective changes from table to table now i know you guys can't see this i will put a picture in the show notes for the day that it posts on the blog so if you want to go to the blog you can see this first map but the oak of ages past has its own map it has two forests and then a big pond with some little clumps of trees around it And then off to the side, it's got a big rock. Uh, Actually, it's got two rock crags. And then it has the Oak of Ages. Now, the Oak of Ages is the... Every table he has has some kind of massive terrain piece. The Oak of Ages, I think, is something like an eight... Maybe an eight-inch squared base. Like It's a big piece of blocking terrain. The dang thing's like a foot tall... The branches and the leaves are probably like 18 inches across it from longest side to longest side. So it's a massive piece of terrain. Um, And the table should be set up as the maps. Each map has its picture, so you know how the table should look when you get there. So uh, let's look at the other terrain rules which are on the map, because the scenario rules aren't the only ones. The Oak of Ages passed holy terrain rules. The Oak of Ages. Units within 12 inches of the Oak of Ages can reroll all armor saves of one and are immune to Battleshock tests. All measuring is done from the base of the terrain piece. So you automatically get the, uh, what the hell's the armor save spell? That's what the armor save spell is. You reroll I, failed once. I know, but you don't have to cast it. I couldn't remember what it was called. Oh. I don't gotcha. cast magic. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, good point. I don't cast a spell either. And you're immune to battle shock tests, so you don't have to spend command points on that. So not only are you probably going to run all your dudes to this tree and start harvesting acorns, but even when you do get hit, you're going to survive forever. And then there's another rule, the oak strikes back. At the start of each player's hero phase, roll a d6. 
on a 3-plus, all units, friend and foe, within 18 inches, suffer holy wounds. Holy wounds do not count towards battle shock. Also, holy wounds are not preventable. Um, anything that would give you a special save against mortal wounds and things, at least in the past, holy wounds are even worse than mortal wounds. You just cannot yes. stop them. It's so, like a model is slain. No basically. So, yeah, that's another thing. So, yeah, you're going to run up there. You're going to take hella wounds from the tree itself, basically. Um, the other terrain pieces. The big pond with the three clumps of trees is called Healer's Folly. At the start of the hero phase, units within six inches pray to the Lady of the Lake. Uh, roll a dice for each unit. On a four plus, you are worthy, and you get a five plus save against mortal wounds. On a one or two, you have angered the Lady. You suffer D3 holy wounds. Holy wounds, again, do not count towards battle shock. My dogs are barking like crazy. Hopefully that's not too loud. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I know, and I'm not going to re-record this. Um, it's all good. Rock crags. There are two rock crags on the table. They are considered deadly terrain. Players must account for movement up and down over the rock crag. They do grant plus one to the armor save if you're wholly within the crag. There is an elf waystone. This is in the middle of one of the forests off to the side. Um, it is arcane AOS scenery. There's a bane stone, which is realistically one of the rock crags i think he's just calling a bane stone units with three inches of that reroll hit rolls of one and then the forests are deadly scenery via the aos table but and then here at the bottom is the note holy wounds cannot be negated by any means so that's a lot like there are combined with the fact that all of the realm rules are in play all of the realm command abilities all of the realm spells all of the in- these games are going to take forever and that's pointed out by the fact that he has allowed three-hour rounds. <laughs> like, he knew ahead of time, like, these games are just going to take a long time. Yeah, so my, uh, you know, if if players already for this 36-player event have not printed up these packets and at least looked over what they think they might use in the realms or terrain features... Or scenarios, uh, I would highly encourage that in the next 24 hours so that, you know, you have some type of idea. And what I mean by that is look through the spells of the realms. Highlight ones that you think you would probably use. So you don't have to read through six spells prior to playing in the realm that you're in. Uh, What I have done is printed out the player pack and done that exact same thing. Uh, I believe that would help one with time and uh, being prepared for at least 50% of the rules that are out there that they're going to get thrown. Um, the exact same thing with their army list, have the units, uh, war scrolls printed out, ready to go highlighting things that you need to remember, like on a turn by turn basis or at the beginning of a game. I know there are certain players that will just go through and print out the cheat sheets so that they know what they have to do in every phase with every war scroll. So there is no flipping back and forth. It's just on a flow sheet or spreadsheet right in front of them. Yep. So yeah. I think the only thing that has been kind of left to, um, if we go back into that rules pack, it says all of the different realms. So the Oak of Ages Past is being played in Gyran, the Realm of Life. Um, the main thing there is if Balshock roll of an unmodified one, no miles from the unit flee. In addition, heal all the wounds that are currently allocated to the unit, which is kind of huge. And then yeah. the Realm of Life has 
he he listed all the spells out. So it's got whip vines, mirror pool, realm blood, briar storm, flesh the stone. So like, there's just so much to keep track of in this. It's gonna be bonkers. I mean, it sounds like fun. It's it's gonna be super cool. I think as as a narrative event, but it is going to be a long Saturday. That's a fact. So let's get out and discuss our lists. Now I've known what I was taking for a long time. Uh, last fall when he announced the tournament upcoming i said hey it's a narrative event let me play my giant list i want to play all my giants i want to play i want to play the giant battalion and everything else and be totally stupid um and to be to his credit he took that and said let me talk to the other people to help me run the tournament and, and we'll come back to you and i said that's all i ask is you consider it uh, and he came back to me and he said no we can't let you do it uh and his reasoning was perfectly logical he said if if we give a if we let you play, we have to assign a points value to the giant battalion. And the second we do that, we have to assign points values to all of the other unpointed battalions, which is a huge can of worms. I said, say no more. I totally get it. It's fine. Uh, would have been awesome, but that's totally cool, and I totally get it. So instead, I had to adjust my list to get as many giants in it as I possibly could. <laughs> <laughs> so you just took the next best thing, obviously, I, I, right? I, I, now... Going to this tournament, it is a narrative event, but a bunch of the people that go to the tournament are still going to go with with very strong lists, and so I don't plan on winning, but I didn't want to be the most underpowered thing there. I'm just, like, really close. So my prime list is a Tyrant, who's my general, with Midas Right, a Great Gut Gouger, and Gear Strike. So hitting on twos, wounding on twos, and on rolls of four, uh, I am getting six damage out of the great gut gouger instead of three so this dude on a really good turn can pump 18 wounds out like he is the tyrant missile um i also have a butcher with a cleaver and a cauldron i have three units this is the cortex three units of three ogors with clubs and blades and iron um i have six iron guts and then i have three ale guzzler gargants this brings me in at 1920 i have one extra command point 124 wounds <laughs> Uh, oh, and I don't think I said Frostlord on Thunder Tusk. That's the one I missed. Sorry. So, four behemoths. I have four behemoths. Um, the Frostlord easily being the hardest thing to kill. But also, he can pump a lot of damage out as well. And I guess if three Gargants came into you at the same time, they could probably do quite the workout. Oh, yeah. So, what is your base list? So my base list, I kind of went with a themed narrative approach to. I went with the Trog Herd from the Gloomspite Jets. Got all uh, excited. God, can you please call them Gits? Get, I hate it when I hear you say Jits. It it's Jits. No, it's not. Why would you say Gits? Because everybody says Gits. It's Jits. I saw, no. I, <laughs> no. No. God, Regardless stop. of how you want to pronounce the word that I think should be said differently... Um, that's my allegiance. And uh, typically with this list, you can probably I would say that if you wanted to make it a single drop deployment list, you could. Uh, there is a way to get around 1760 in points uh, or a little bit more than that, depending on how large you take your units. Essentially, the trog herd is a trog boss, which then makes your uh, fellwater and rock gut trolls core or battle line, which then suffices the three battle line requirements. And then you can take, you know, zero to two uh, giants, the same giants that Joe would take. Um, but with the cost of the herd and 
the battalion in that, it would round out to about 1760. So you could obviously make maybe your rock gut units larger, like nine models instead of six, and uh, make it a lot larger. I did not go that route. So what I took was I did take the Trog Boss, because that's part of the battalion. Uh, with him, I took Loon Skin, which is an item or an artifact that uh, allows him to be affected by the light of the moon, which is something you roll for at the beginning of uh, starting turn two in your army. Uh, and it allows you to re-roll the regeneration roll and possibly double the uh, roll of wounds regenerated, which can be very important. Uh, to fill out my battalion, I took six Fellwater Trogs, six Rockgut Trogoths, and six more Rockgut Trogoths. I did not take any Giants because in order to support my trolls, because this is a troll-themed army, uh, I took... 60 Stabas with the support of a fungoid cave shaman. And you may be asking yourself, well, Chuck, why did you take this shaman? Why do you, why are you putting all of these goblins or gits in your army? Well, for the simple fact that there is a spell called, uh, and I'm forgetting it offhand. Oh my goodness. Um, hand of Gork, hand of Gork can transport your unit across the table. And, um, my objective is to either protect my, trolls because if i get alpha striked or charge turn one because some of these scenarios you can start out very close to your opponents i want to have some type of shield in front of my troll so i don't get tabled or if i need to teleport my stabas to the other side of the table to go get an objective because obviously in this first objective we just saw that you have to harvest acorns right in several of the other ones you have to uh prime the pump on uh, a piece of terrain in order to feed another piece of terrain in order to get objective tokens or points. So these scenarios, you have to sometimes also, in addition to just controlling one terrain piece, control two. Some of them you have to sacrifice models to. So I'm just trying to be prepared for the inevitable um, issue of that happening. I don't want to be stuck with 18 trolls and not have enough wounds to feed to try and win a scenario or a primary objective. And that tells you right there that Chuck's already read into this way more than I have because I had no idea that there were scenarios <laughs> where you had to capture one piece before you could capture another piece. Well, and, and, and let's let's back up. Like, there are 16 tables with varying, you know, rules and, and situations that you need to put some units in. Uh, I just remember one or two of those scenarios where you had to use a special ability on one terrain piece to feed another. So... That's only one scenario out of 16. But I just don't want to be caught with having not enough models or not having the opportunity. There was a scenario that I did play, um, and basically uh, the deployment decided who had like a 90% chance to win the game. Which So the issue was there was an entrance to a building you had to get into. You deployed the uh, short table width side. So I was playing, uh, you know, across a four-foot table, but I had to run 24 inches to get to the centerpiece. The terrain slowed my movement by, like, two or three inches per turn. Well, I didn't have much movement to begin with if your movement is four or five inches. So even if I marched and ran or, or whatever, it would still take me three to four turns to get there. So the opponent would get there by turn two. It would take me till turn four. So that's what I, I just don't want to be caught in that situation again when I was trying to play for a draw. You know what I mean? 
The problem is you're playing, you're trying to play for a draw. Well, we should all be playing for a win, right? Yes, you absolutely should be playing for a win. The only but, thing I read into in any of this yeah. is he is actually using the Realm of Beasts. He has provided monsters for the two tables that are in the Realm of Beasts. Yay, someone's actually running the Realm of Freaking yes, Beasts. Yes, cool. Every other tournament avoids it specifically because of the monster issue. They're like, oh, well, people bring random monsters and blah, 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 blah. And we don't want people to have to buy another model. And what if he brings a giant dragon and this other guy just brings like a giant? You know, so Steve took it and he goes, I'm going to use it, but I'm going to provide the monsters. That way you guys get exactly what I say and, and there's no question about. And it's probably two of the same monster would be my guess to make it fair or as fair as it can be, you know. So, what is your sideboard? Uh, so, the sideboard, it's not the full 1,000 points. I, I actually probably need to just redo this and uh, add in two more units. But what I did convert up, for the three items were a Skitter Strand Arachnorok Spider, which comes out to 260 points, a Forge World Rogue Idol, which technically I would have to ally in because of my uh, allegiance selection, and then an Endless Spell Chromat... Chromantic Cogs. And that comes out to 720 points. So I still have a little bit of room to play with. The reason I chose it, uh, one, the Rogue Idol could replace uh, the Stabba unit that I have very easily because I still have 50 points left in my army. And then that would satisfy the 400 point requirement for the minimum uh, amount of points you have to switch out. Plus, it's pretty cool. Um, the Arachnorok Spider, I could technically take out my Fungoid Cave Shaman and drop my Trog Herd Battalion, if I could. I don't know if I can drop a, a battalion that I take, because um, that would completely change the list. Not It would just to change my deployment. But that spider, what the interesting thing is, is that in the list, it can deploy as a reserve. So you could just pop that on their side of the table during any one of my movement phases, and uh, boom, there's a 14-moon spider on their side of the table that they got to deal with. You know what I'm saying? That's would, what's up. Would be very cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't. So my <laughs> my sideboard is two models, a bone grinder giant, and a bone grinder giant. <laughs> Here's the question. Can you swap out both bone grinders and still have a legal army? Yes. Yes, I oh, can. Oh, <laughs> look at you. Uh, I, I specifically went into it trying to figure out how to get all the bone grinders into the list. And then worked backwards from there to build my prime list, which had the three regular giants in it. Nice. Um, so if if you go into it and you're looking at things, what do you see as your big switch out? Like, what would you, you know, I mean, I guess you already kind of talked about it, didn't you? You know, what you would I, dump to put in. You know, you I have a, a little bit of flexibility. I could, I did take two endless spells in addition to, like my battalion, which I guess I didn't hint at or say. I did include Balewind Vortex and Quicksilver Swords because I felt that they were effective enough and they would boost the casting ability of the Cave Shaman and his range. So if I drop the spells and the battalion, I could technically throw in the Giant Spider, and, and still have the extra command point. So. I do have a little bit of flexibility as far as uh, um, that goes. The Stabba's unit uh, of 60 Night Goblins, or whatever, Jits, I, I could drop that. I could 
toss in the rogue idol, which he's really cool. But I don't know, like, you know, a unit that big has some capability, you know, 60 wounds is a lot to chew through. It's something like, you know, with their, if they get buffed up, it's, it could be like a hundred attacks there. There's a little bit of, you know, negative one to hit. Uh, they could get teleported to surround an objective, yada, yada, yada flexibility with it, you know? Agreed. And you have probably way more tactical flexibility than I do. So here's my plan. <laughs> With the two bone grinders and my, my primary list, I built five lists. It's a five-game tournament. I'm going to play five different lists. <laughs> nice. Uh, so the first alternative list is I dropped two of the regular Gargants, and with my extra points, that's enough to slip in the bone grinder. comes out to 2,000 points. The next list, I dropped three of the Iron Guts, put in the Bone Grinder, kept a regular Ale Guzzler, or two regular Ale Guzzlers, 1980. The next list, I dropped all the Giants and all the Iron Guts and got both the Bone Grinders in. <laughs> and then the last list, <laughs> I dropped all the Iron Guts and the one Spellcaster I have to have both Bone Grinders and a regular Gargant. <laughs> So nice. I'm every list has four behemoths. Uh or well no, that's that's a lie. Uh at least three behemoths, I guess. And then three of the lists have four behemoths. So giants and giants and more giants. Huzzah. <laughs> uh, again, tactically flexible, no. Um I think the double bone grinder list would probably do super well as long as I got the alpha on a horde army. Because if you have 40, 50 dudes and the bone grinders both get in there at the same time, chances oh, are that... we're going to peel a lot of bodies off. Oh, yeah. Like, what's the average damage for a bone grinder? It's debatable. Is it like 18 wounds or something like that? It's still random dice. So I could still yeah. roll 3d6, I could still roll three ones. That's... But. The the statistical average on three d six is like nine, yeah. Um, yeah. hitting on threes, wounding on threes. So you end up getting like six wounds, five or six wounds through it, two damage a piece. That's ten to twelve damage. Then he kicks you if he hits you with the kick. That's another three to four damage. Then he jumps up and down at the end of combat before battle shock. That's another d six damage. Uh, he picks somebody up and eats them. That's a couple wounds probably. You know, so potentially uh, a bone grinder could do a massive amount of damage, and if both of them are there, they could really smash through you. Um, That's a, a lot of the comments with the uh, Dankhold Trog boss lists on uh, the uh, WhatsApp groups and things like that. There's a couple Facebook groups that, you know, troll around. But somebody went around and uh, did the statistics with their damage capability, and because they're D6 damage, which I'm sure... That's what the bone grinder is. Is that right? Uh, on his kick, yeah. Depending on like how many wounds he has. Well, you know, the trog boss could have like four attacks and does a pick up and grab and slays somebody. But because it's the D6 damage and random, uh, such random like that, you know, you could do anywhere from seven to 12 wounds. So you could roll really well and do, you know, more than 12, but statistically you're probably not. Right. And that's, I, people math hammer it out too much, man. I, I'm i just going to this being like, I get to use all my giants. Hot diggity. <laughs> I told I Steve, to I said, if, yes. I told Steve, I said, if you need giants for your monster table, let me know. <laughs> I got you a hookup. <laughs> I mean, I'm bringing five giants with me to this tournament. I still have three more sitting on my shelf. And I have like two more that should be coming in the mail probably next month. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. 
I have a problem. Uh, my name is Joe. I collect giants. So, hi, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, regardless, <laughs> regardless of everything, it's gonna be super fun. We're gonna have a really good time. I was gonna. I I tried to find like an old metal trash can lid, but they don't make old metal trash cans anymore. <laughs> and I was gonna like fashion a gut plate and just walk around shirtless with that thing strapped to my belly all weekend. Oh, but Joe. yeah, you know, <laughs> everybody wants to see that. <laughs> Yeah. It was a good idea, you know. Themey, I'm themey. I'm narratively with my army. You're uh, you're with it mentally. Yeah, I would have to try and find out the guys from Wapaga that had that Heineken keg hammer bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm leaving tomorrow. Uh, T minus, you know, less than twelve hours or less than twenty four hours. Yeah. Um, super excited to get up there. You and I will be back. Uh, the. F- First, ep- the planned first episode for March is us going over the after action report, which will be a long episode where we actually do talk about the scenarios that we played. So right. that one may be a, a hand side on the complicated end and take quite a while to get there. Well, and I, I'm sure it's going to be like, oh, yeah, I was doing really good turn three, and then the tree killed everything, and I died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to happen. And depending. Depending on how complicated all that gets, that may that show may get split into both shows for February or for March. I don't know yet. So, uh, very excited to go though. Our friend Brandon's come with us. He, I think, went and bought Ooh. the Forge World Chaos Dragon to bring. Yes, yeah. yes, he did. So there's gonna be a Forge World Chaos Dragon. I've got a couple Forge World Bone Grinders. I would be shocked if there isn't a troll hag running around in a trog army somewhere up there. Uh, I know you really wanted one, but you couldn't find one. I was scouring the internet. Yes, I, um, I will probably bring that Rogue Idol, which is a four hundred yep. point Rogue army. Idol. I'm sure there will be plenty of cool Forge World stuff up there that you usually don't see. Uh, very excited to check it all out, and I will be taking videos and pictures and stuff to post on Twitter. You know, follow the Holy Wars Twitter, follow Chuck's Twitter, follow my Twitter, follow. Uh, I'm not sure if Relly and them are coming this year or not, but he usually posts pictures when he goes to tournaments a lot. Uh, I'll take videos walking around during the display judging, and then awards videos obviously will be up there. So check out all the future content to come from Holy Wars 5 in 2019. And we are going to sign out so that I can get this thing ready to show up on Saturday morning uh, while I'm playing games. So thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Chuck, for joining me. And we'll be back with you guys in March. Have a good one. Good night and good luck.